Let's get ready to roll. Lead Like a Lady features amazing women at the top of their game who know what it's like to be the only woman in the room. They're here to share their stories, inspire greatness, and provide advice to all the women coming up behind them. Now, here's your host, Army veteran and retired FBI assistant special agent in charge, Gina L. Osborne. Welcome to Lead Like a Lady. I'm your host, Gina L. Osborne. Today we talk about perceptions, choosing how we think and the language we use to describe ourselves, building teams, and being intentional about selecting the people we choose to have around us. Brooke Smith is the president of MHX, a transportation and logistics company specializing in moving industrial products throughout California by rail, truck, or container distribution. She's also a mom to two small children and loves to encourage and support women to follow their dreams. What I love about this episode is when we talk about perceptions and perceptions being everything, especially when you're the only woman in the room, it can be critical, but it's also something we can't control. I love Brooke's philosophy on mastering the art of dealing with perceptions and turning it to her advantage. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Hi, Gina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show because you are in the trucking and logistics industry where 90% of your customers are men. Do you want to tell us about how you got there and what it's like to work in that industry? It is definitely not an industry that many women come into. And specifically when I started, I've been in the industry for 11 years now. You do see more women coming in now, which is amazing. A little bit about my background, I kind of have a unique history of how I got here. I actually have my bachelor's in uh, clinical psychology, and I got my master's in clinical psychology also and was a marriage and family therapist before I came into this business. My family had owned a trucking and logistics company, a, a smaller company that was started in 1948. Being the middle child and the daughter, uh, never really thought I would come into the family business. So I had started my career path working with people, and I've always felt very strongly about my ability to work through people and help people to make their life better. And so that's why I had originally chosen that career path. As I was getting my MFT, uh, I worked in sales to, to make ends meet at a great jewelry store who taught me so much about how to work sales and how to work with people and really to value people in every transaction. And that's how I would see my sales numbers go through the roof when I looked at every transaction as a person and not as selling a thing. And so as I did that, uh, mentioned to my dad that I was going to be possibly transitioning and staying in sales, uh, to which he asked me to come into the family company, which I was not at all um, expecting, nor had really thought about as, as a journey for myself. But my dad is an, an exceptional business leader and has done amazing things with the company. He's third generation, I'm fourth. And so to see what he's done and the life that he created and the business that he created was really pretty amazing. And I felt like I couldn't miss the opportunity to work with him for a year or two. So my original thought was, oh, I'll do this for a bit. I'll see if I like it, but never really anticipated staying in the business. Fast forward 11 years and I have had most roles within the company. I started in operations, loading fly ash in the middle of the night with my ponytail hanging out of my hard hat, which was an interesting thing as you had uh, drivers come up, be like, who's that girl loading my truck? 
And then I moved into accounting and had to do um, AP type functions, moved up to controller, was general manager and kind of moved around the organization for about five, five and a half years before I was allowed to do sales, uh, which was I came in to sell, right? That was my passion and ended up doing everything else in the company, which was the best path I could ever have. Moved into sales, then moved into general VP. And then actually uh, four years ago, we merged with our largest competitor and are now a, a fairly large logistics and transportation company in California. And I took over president last year uh, of this company. And it's been the most amazing journey and the most unique journey. But I would not trade any moment of it if I if someone asked me to do it again. It's, it's just been phenomenal. You know, I love that your dad put you through a four and a half year training program. Yeah. And he totally didn't tell me he was going to do that either. It was like, hey, let me have you start here because that customer, I'm going to give you that customer. Right. And so it felt like, oh, yeah, I'll do that for a week and a, a week and a half, you know, two weeks. And then all of a sudden it was years down the road. I'm going, man, when am I ever going to get to see people? But when the first time, especially being a woman in this industry, the first time I went to a customer lunch, I realized within five minutes of being there why he did what he did. Right. I wasn't who they expected to see coming to lunch. Younger female family, right? The cards were stacked against me a little bit. I was able to make an impact within our industry in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise, because I quickly got the reputation that I knew what I was talking about, that I wasn't just the daughter, that I wasn't just some female coming in to do sales, right? That I actually had a passion for what we did. And I knew that the service that we offer is more than trucks just moving down the road or forklifts in a building, right? What we offer is confidence of people moving their products in the supply chain. We're moving industrial products. So we move like steel and lumber, and construction related materials, right? There was just this unique aspect that I was able to learn from that journey. And it was exceptional. I know you get excited about influencing your industry, especially coming from where you came from. So what does that look like? How do you influence your industry as a woman? Yeah, that is a really good question and something that that I think a lot about, right? It's not an industry that women are attracted to typically because it's not an attractive industry. I have a very good friend that always says, you know, that's not very sexy. It's like, no, my business is not sexy at all. And, and so you don't see a lot of women coming into it. But as times are changing, how I try to influence that and how I think I can change the trajectory within, you know, my small world is as I come into our industry, I come in with one confidence, knowing that I deserve a seat at that table just as much as anybody sitting across from me, that gender um, and often gender and age don't have anything to do with with who who wins, who wins the discussion or who gets the furthest. Right. But I come into it using a lot of skills that I think women innately learn how to come into a conversation and listen how to come into a conversation with the goal of solving it, not just about making my point, right? And I've used all of the different elements that I think are just naturally, women kind of have this baseline and I really tried to build on those, which is not common in our industry. And so as I do that, I think I've been able to make you know, larger impacts, whether it's in working with the railroad or working with steamship lines or working with other transportation companies or, or large shippers of various products. When you use those skill sets, we're able to get across to our customers or to our service providers or our partners that we're in this for something larger, right? And I think, I think women are really good at seeing the macro, right? And being able to see what we're trying to get to and go for the goal and not get distracted by everything in between. I'm also a mom of two kids and, and been married for seven years. 
And so I think all of that plays into it, right? Of like, I know at the end of the day what I've got to do for my family and for myself. And so it allows me to be really quick in getting to there because there's, there's no other option but to get to the finish line. I think women deal with that all the time. Women do deal with that, which is why we're such good multitaskers and problem solvers. In your position as one of the few female leaders in your industry, what do you see as your responsibility when it comes to the women coming up behind you? When I see other women in the industry, uh, whether it's women on our team or women um, that I interact with, it's encouraging them, right? As women, we have the opportunity to build each other up. And uh, I work with some amazing women at the railroad, some amazing women at the ports and amazing women that work here at MHX. And I have the opportunity from the platform that I'm at to be able to encourage them and for us to work together and to make an impact. I sat on a call one time that was so amazing. It was with some shippers that ship rebar for concrete. And so we were having some problem with shipping and inventory and we had to get on to solve this problem, right? And we get on this call and it's myself and three other women. And this call was slotted for 45 minutes to an hour. And we finished the call in probably 15 minutes and had solved all the problems that had been going on for six months, right? Because we were all just said, hey, here's the problem, put them on the table, non-emotional, and let's work through them. And at the end of the call, one of the ladies said to me and to the others, how amazing that anyone would have thought, and it was in 2019, in 2019, that we would have four women on a call start solving a problem about shipping in the concrete industry, right? And that moment was really big for me to recognize we're changing as an industry and women are coming into the industry and are not just coming in in administrative roles, they're coming in and they're making changes in the industry and they're they're making their name and they're being put in high positions to evolve change. And as that happens, I think we're better off as a society when we have group of collective individuals that have different backgrounds, that have different personalities, that have different upbringings. We can bring different things to the table and it's really exciting to see those things evolve and how we can support each other. That's a great story. I've always enjoyed that sisterhood in law enforcement where we cut through the nonsense and make changes that make a difference. You spoke about listening. Why is that so important to you and the way you deal with the people in your industry? So we are a complex industry. Shipping and logistics has so many exceptions to the rule and so many one-off moments that have to be solved. Ideally, when you take a step back macro, products move through the supply chain, whether it's on a truck, rail, uh, or a boat, and then they typically go to a warehouse and they go to who needs it, right? That part of it's pretty simple when you think about A to B to C, but so much can happen between those moments that create a feeling of lack of support, of lack of trust in the system, of fear that what I need is not going to happen. And so as a woman, when I come into those conversations, it is rarely about the piece of steel that didn't get to the next step, right? What it's really about is someone's feelings on, well, what does that mean? And so what I bring into every conversation is, what are we really trying to solve? Let's get to the root problem and let's identify that. All of these are symptoms of something. And so if we talk about the symptoms all day long, all we'll do is just, you know, have way too many conversations that never solve anything. Uh, but instead, I take every conversation and say, what can we really do here? What can we solve in the macro picture that will allow us to not have this conversation again or will allow you to feel better? Because at the end of the day, when people are moving product through us, they need to go to sleep at the end of the night and not worry that we're going to do our job or not. And so by understanding what keeps them up, by understanding what their constraints on their end are, I can provide a better service, right? And I think that's a change. I don't think in our industry, many people think about, okay, what really is this about, right? 
hey, shipper that I'm giving stuff to, what do you do with the product? Because if I understand what you do with it, I understand what quality means to you. And quality to one guy is not the same as quality to the next guy, right? And so really asking the questions that get you to the answer you're looking for instead of just asking the questions that are right in front of us. And I think as a, as a woman, we have the ability to, and really I think a lot of my psychology background helps in this, but my ability to hear what is really going behind that sentence, right? Someone will talk for five minutes and there's really 30 seconds that was like, I need to know more about that because there was something on your face or there was something in your voice that um, led me to understand that that's your pain point, right? That what it, that's what's causing you. And so let's, let's break that down because once I can solve that, we're partners. And if we're partners, we're both better. In addition, it sounds like collaboration is a big tool in your leadership toolbox. My style focuses on partnership. All of the customers that we bring in that I work with, it's not about the business case necessarily. The business case is important and profitability is important, but what's more important is understanding that we're a partner in this. I need you and you need me. And so let's throw all the cards on the table. Let's not be worried about saying too much or saying too little. Let's just be honest and say what we both need, knowing that we both have you know good intentions and we both wanna to get to the same place. And as you do that, it opens up doors and it opens up relationships. You are spot on. At the end of the day, no matter what industry you're in, it's all about relationships. I think focusing on relationships in business is the most important thing that, that I do every day, whether it be relationships with my employees or relationships with customers or vendors. All of them want to feel important, want to feel valued, and want to understand we're all working towards the same goal. And so it's my job to ensure that people feel that when they, when they work with me. And I think being a woman makes that a little bit easier because I, I've naturally been taught to, to value relationships that way. Um, and I think as women, we, we support each other and we have uh, just such a relational, we're such relational beings. And so how do we take that relational being aspect and turn it into a business advantage? When you go into these meetings where you need to solve these complex problems, I would imagine that someone seeing you come in, they might get intimidated by you or they might you know, just not be expecting you. So how hard do you have to work to gain their trust, number one? And also, how do you not take things personally to actually make it through the issue and resolve it? In this industry, when you walk into in-person meetings, there's different experiences that I've had as far as how people perceive me. And one of the things I try to do pretty quickly is understand what's the perception. Because if I know the perception, I know kind of which angle to go from it. The, the moments of assuming I'm the secretary and asking for coffee, right? I mean, those are always, always fun ones uh, where it's like, well, I'm happy to get you coffee and get you a bottle of water. I am the president. I'll come back to the conversation. But it's taking those moments with humility, right? I never walk into the moment where I'm assumed to be the secretary as an offense. Instead, I walk into that moment when I'm asked to go get the coffee and I bring back the coffee and then I sit down at the table and start the discussion. That's an opportunity for me to blow someone out of the water. Right. If someone assumed that I'm at X, all I can do is go up from that. Right. And so I can come in with a ton of confidence into that moment going, you're going to walk out of here having expected one thing and having received something completely different. And that's an advantage for me because you had very low expectations, obviously, as I came into that conversation based how you started it. And then I can do two things. I can blow you out of the water, like I said, and two, I can change your perception so that the next time a woman walks into the room, you don't make that assumption, right? And so I take that really seriously, my opportunity to change how this individual is gonna react with a woman later down in life. 
I can totally relate to that. I can't tell you how many times in the army people thought I was a military spouse or commented on the fact that I was a woman when I'd show up for an FBI interview. But I think perceptions are changing and uh, they've changed a lot over the years for sure. It's been nice to see that evolve, I think, over time and how men um, specifically interact with women in my industry. I think it's changed a lot in the last three to four years, and I think it's continuing to change, and that's incredibly exciting. On the personal side, it can be intimidating. I'd be lying if I said that there were moments that I walked in and I'm the only female in the room, I'm the youngest one in the room, and that's a lot, right? I'm the one with the least experience as far as years, which means I'm having an uphill battle in front of me, and that's not always easy. But in those moments of unease, I always have taught myself to take those as moments of opportunity, right? If I can walk out of any meeting and having influenced the people around me or having made a name for myself or for my company, that's a success, right? And so it's taking those moments that could easily be a moment of fear and weakness that would allow me to be timid in those conversations and not speak up with the knowledge that I know that I have to contribute to the room and instead take that moment and say, no, this is this is the moment to make an impact, to make an impact for all the other women that work at, our, at my organization so that they will feel that same level of support, right? That they will feel like they have a space in the room. And so I just really try to have the positive self-talk for myself to know that, that I'm in that room for a reason and that I've earned to be in that room and I bring value to that conversation. I believe that and I think about that as I go into any meeting. I, I self-talk myself to be successful. That to me is so critical. What we believe, the language we use to think about ourselves or describe ourselves are so important because those are the loudest voices we hear, especially when it comes to self-doubt. Where does your confidence come from when it comes to the belief that you belong, even though you can often be the only woman in the room? When I think about how my confidence has developed, it wasn't day one, right? But day one, I will say that I did feel like, why not me? Why couldn't I be as successful as anyone else sitting here? And I think that's a little bit about um, who I am and how I think about life. And so understanding that and, and coming into those moments of, I can be at this table just as much as anyone else was the start of it, right? The second element was recognizing and having the humility to be in conversations. There's a lot of conversations that I did great. There's also a lot of conversations that I sat in and I thought, I don't have any idea, right? I, I actually don't think I should be at this table because I don't know what you guys are talking about. And I, I can't contribute successfully to this conversation. And understanding in that moment to have the humility to say, all right, I'm going to go learn it. I'm going to go back to my desk and I'm going to go back to my office. I'm going to pull up some books and pull up some articles because the next time I sit in that room, I'm going to know it. I'm going to be able to contribute to the conversation. And as you do that, I built the confidence that there is no conversation that I can't contribute to. There may be some conversations that I can't contribute to today, right? That I don't have the experience today. And I need to learn that because I want to be the best that I can in my industry. So any moment that I don't know, I figure it out, right? And and there are so many resources available to us if we want to learn something. I will continue to learn things throughout my career and will continue to make myself better because why not, right? I have the very amazing opportunity to be sitting in the seat that I am. And I'm so thankful for that. And so it, it's my job to just continue to be better. 
I just did a presentation at the Women in Tech Worldwide Conference about leading male-dominated teams, and I'm always fascinated to speak with other women like me to find out what their strategies are. Yeah, definitely. So we are about um, just shy of 300 employees, and we're probably... 275 are men. So it's definitely a male dominated industry and a male dominated workforce. I use the same strategy with my employees as I do with my customer. People are people, right? I believe it is anyone's responsibility in leadership to show that they have it, what it takes to lead. Now, I think as a woman, sometimes we consciously think about that a little bit different than men do, but I think the expectation should be the same. I just think we're a little more sensitive to it. So I take the approach with the company that I'm in to to know what they need from me and be that person, be the leader that the company needs, despite being a male or female, and have that continued self-talk that I, I deserve the position that I've in and I've worked really hard for it. I also surround myself with people that I know are okay with that. Uh, there are people that I think wouldn't be okay reporting to me, and that's okay, that's their choice, right? But I have worked hard to pick the team around me that's a great team and that supports where I'm going, not because I'm a woman, uh, not because of anything other than they support the goal and the vision of the company and I'm leading it and they support me. And so I think any man in, the, in my position, if they had someone that didn't support them, would change them. And I would do the same. Now, I'm fortunate that I have an amazing team, some of which I've chosen uh, to to be that support team, but to not come at it as, you know, I'm at a deficit because I'm a woman, right? I just need to have people that support me no matter what my gender is. That's such a great point. Nobody in a leadership position should feel compelled to tolerate unproductive employees who don't want to work for them for reasons that can't be changed. When I choose my teams, I'm like you. I want to be surrounded with people who want to be there. And if someone has an issue with working for a woman, then they don't get the privilege of working with me. And I think it all goes back to developing confidence through experience and believing that you belong where you are. I mean, how much do you think self-talk contributes to this? Yeah, that is a very interesting question. I think from the perspective that as women, we're not really taught to have positive self-talk. If anything, I think our society kind of leads us the other way. I think about my younger self and my younger self didn't have positive self-talk, right? Whether it be body image, whether it be relationships, whether it be what I could accomplish. I think I've been successful in a lot of the things that I did when I look back, but I don't know if I ever felt that in the moment. And I don't know if it came with age. I'm not sure if it came with the people around me, but I think I got to a point in my life that it was like, why not? Why not just come at this with the positivity to get to the next step? It doesn't mean that there's not days that I feel like crap and days that are really hard. Uh, those do come up and they, and they come up often, but it's how you deal with those days, how you get through to say, hey, yeah, today was a bad day. Nothing went like I wanted it to. Tomorrow's a new one right? And I can only control what I can control, right? And so how do I go and fix the things that are fixable and not mull over the other, the other elements? How you get there, it has to be intentional. No one likes to see their weaknesses. No one likes to have that, you know, internal conversation with themselves to say, I'm not very good at X or I feel bad about this, right? But I think getting yourself to the point to have that internal conversation with, with yourself to say, hey, what happened today? I wasn't my best self, right? I didn't do the best things I could do. Um, and I could get discouraged about them, totally. Or I could choose to see it as a moment of, 
of opportunity. And I think you have to be intentional about that. You have to choose opportunity. And you may have to fake it a little bit at the beginning. You may have to say, hey, I'm going to choose opportunity even though it doesn't feel like it, even though it doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that, right? Kind of about creating a habit. If you get yourself in that habitual mind frame, it becomes natural after a while, right? It becomes natural to say, no, I can do it. I'm not going to tell myself I can't. I'm going to tell myself I can. And when I think about that positive self-talk, the the other element that I think when I look back at my history of, of how I've evolved and the person that I've become, I think about the people that have been around me. And one of the things that I've done and that I will continue to do is be very intentional about the people in my life, uh, whether it be my husband, my friends, my family, the people that I spend time with, they should also have that positive self-image of me, right? And they should be reinstilling that in me. If I've got somebody that puts me down, that's not going to help me very much, right? And so the people that I surround myself with need to support me and support how I how I think about myself. Need to be able to see me in my moment that I'm not giving myself positive self-talk and say, hey, you got this. I had a moment just the other day, actually. My husband took my son to T-ball. So I, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to stay home with my daughter. Uh, I haven't played with her much this week. So we're going to play for a bit. So we played for about 30 minutes. Uh, and then I said, you know, I haven't made dinner all week. I should make dinner. So we start making dinner and playing with my daughter. And then I, I get an urgent work call. And so I'm standing outside. My daughter's playing with the hose. I'm doing my urgent work call. And, you know, in, in high pressure roles, there's those moments where it's just, you know, everything starts to boil, right? And so I've got everything going, cooking dinner, playing with the daughter and trying to take care of a really urgent issue. And I didn't do very good at that one. I set the carrots on fire. I hear the fire alarm going off. I'm running in the house. My daughter's three. She has no idea what that loud noise is. Uh, so she's freaking out and thankful she has a hose in case there's a fire. I'm going, all right, we got water near at least. And it's that moment to hang up on my coworker. And it's this moment of like, are you are you kidding me? I'm not playing with my daughter. I burned breakfast and I couldn't solve the problem, right? And, and in that moment, I felt very uh, discouraged, right? It's like, ah, oh, that's so frustrating because I came into this moment with a different intention than how it came out. Um, my husband gets home with my son and I'm just, he can see I'm frustrated. What's wrong? It's like, explain to him the whole thing. He can smell the burned carrots in the house. So he knows I lit something on fire. And my husband says, you couldn't do it all in that moment, Brooke. It's like, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't be giving myself grief that I couldn't handle the complex work problem and play with my daughter and do dinner. That's not realistic. But in that moment, I wanted that to be my reality. And to have someone that was able to say to me, that's that's not realistic, Brooke. Put me in perspective. It helped. It helped to not beat myself up all night by the fact that our dinner was terrible because it was burnt and I didn't spend as much time with my daughter and I didn't solve the problem. I could have sat there. And I may have sat there, right? But I have someone that supported me that said, no. That's not a, you shouldn't sit there because that's not fair to you. And I was able to come out of it and go, yep, you're right. What we had for dinner was fine. My daughter loved playing with the hose. She was so excited. I don't, I rarely let her get herself wet and not worry about it. Right. And the work problem worked out. Right. I was able to solve it after. And so giving myself grace in that moment to say, it's okay. I'm not always going to be the best mom, wife, and president at the same time. And a lot of times I probably won't be, but I have three really big roles and three really important roles to me. And as I think about those roles, I have to give myself grace. And I hope all women that are trying to pursue their career and grow in that, remember to give themselves grace that we're not going to do it all right every day. That's okay. And we may choose one thing one day and choose the next thing the next day. That's okay. Set the expectations that you can achieve, get people around you that can help you achieve those. And then just push on. When you hit an obstacle, the obstacle can't take you down. Just stop you for a second and move past it. 
and just really thinking about what grace looks like within your life, I think can make a huge difference in how you how you come at those obstacles, right? How you give yourself that positive self-talk. If you let yourself think, hey, I was a bad mom and I was a bad chef and I was a bad president in that moment, what, what does that do for me? It does nothing. Instead, take that moment and say, okay, what could I have done differently? How am I gonna change it? Or maybe I won't. And I'll just say, I'm not gonna be perfect every time. And, and just be realistic with yourself. Sometimes it's okay to fail. I think as women, we, we are so afraid of failing, especially when we are in a position um, that women haven't been before. Uh, the weight feels big. And so I, I don't, I will never say that that weight doesn't exist. The weight totally exists and it exists every day that I wake up to my role, but I have a choice in how I think about that weight. And I'm not perfect at it every day. There's some days I think about the weight in a way that I probably shouldn't, but more days than not, I come into it and I see the weight as a challenge and an opportunity to influence women, to be a good example for my daughter, for my son, and for other women that I work with that can also kind of do the same thing. What does that weight look like for you? That weight looks like high expectations that I know are achievable, but often feel really far away. I believe with everything in me that I can run this organization to what the board wants us to run it to, to be an incredibly successful organization while being an amazing mom to a five and three-year-old, while being a great wife to a super supportive husband. I know that I can accomplish all three of those things in my life. And I know that I will. Uh, but the weight looks like moments that come up that say, Brooke, your goal's unrealistic, right? You're not going to get there. That's what the weight looks like, right? Or you make the wrong step and now you've, now you've sent your daughter down a different path. Now you've sent your son down a different path. Now you've, you know, negatively impacted a man in a meeting that will, you know, go and perceive a woman more negative because of how I acted, right? The weight looks like I have heavy influence on those around me and that is a big acknowledgement every day to realize that my actions, um, my actions have an influence on those around me and to not be weighed down by that, but also not ignore it. Be okay with that. That weight can be substantial at times and be okay with that. Just because I have the weight doesn't mean I have to be perfect. Just because the weight can be big doesn't mean that I won't get there. I'll get there. And I have to, I have to set myself up for that success and I'll, and I will. You will get there. On this podcast where I feature such high powered, successful women, I love to ask how they went about choosing their mate. Uh, Gina, I'm so glad you asked that question. If I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would say, man, Brooke, you got lucky. When I picked my husband, I did not recognize the importance of the spouse that I chose. I loved my husband and I knew we were going to do great things together, but I am so fortunate that my husband is incredibly supportive and he has my back in everything that I do. His, my goals are his goals. He never discredits me for the moment that I have to take a call when I should be doing something for the family. He never holds that against me. Um, and knowing that I have that support makes a world of difference in everything that I do. And I don't know if I realized that when I chose him as my partner, I chose him because he was a great person that I loved. And I'm lucky that he also is so supportive because I didn't know I needed that. I didn't know where I was going to go and the things I was going to want to do. So I didn't know to look for that. And I would say for any young woman that has, has big career aspirations um, and also has a partner 
to come at that relationship with transparency and expectations and do not limit your own ability based on on your partner right but come at it with excitement and say hey these are the things that i'm going to do with my life or are you going to be able to support me in it and it's not something that every man could do i think my husband is unique in that my husband will never think that you know it's more my responsibility than his to make dinner or do the laundry or anything like that we are a partner in everything that we do and that support means I support him also, right? It, it goes both ways. When we have goals and we have dreams, we see each other as equal. And I believe with everything in me that if I didn't have him as my partner and if he didn't have those character traits that I couldn't have gotten to where I have today, um, that I couldn't go home every day and feel like, yep, I did it. Today was successful because he's exceptional. But it came with how he thinks about things and how he sees us as as equals in the relationship. And he wants me to be successful. It's not even just equals. If I can be more successful than him, he supports me. If he can be more successful than I can, I support him, right? It's not a competition. We're trying to build life together. And so, you know, what I will teach my daughter and I, I hope my son also hears is that who you choose to spend life with have to correlate to the goals that you want to achieve. And if they don't, you won't get there or you'll have heartache because you'll have, you know, this dissonance of a relationship that doesn't, doesn't match the goals. And I don't have that in my life. If I had that tension, I wonder if I would have been able to achieve what I have. And so I, I'm just really thankful and I'm really hopeful for women coming up in their choice of partners and in their choice of careers that women are willing to have the hard conversation to say, hey, this is what this is what it looks like. For me, that conversation was I want to have kids, but I'm going to work. I want to have kids, but I'm not taking maternity leave, which that's a different topic, I think. But to have the real conversations with your partner to say, this is what being a mom looks like to me. I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be a great mom and I'm going to love all my kids. I'm also going to work full time, which means 60, 70 hours a week. And I'm also going to build my career and I'm going to do them both. And I'm not, it's not always going to be pretty. I'm not always going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to do them both and have a partner that says, got it. Thanks for telling me and giving him the choice. Is that what he wants? Did he want that in a wife? right? And, and he has the choice too. It's his life. And so he needed to decide if he wanted a partner like me. And he decided that he did. And I decided that, that, you know, he was the partner that I wanted. And we've been successful because of those real honest conversations that weren't about the guilt of, well, if I'm going to be a mom, do I need to stay home? That works for some women. And that is what someone wants, not what I wanted. Having that conversation and being very open and honest with him about it made a difference. And it, and it allowed us both to come into a relationship with clear expectations of what the other person expected and what the other person was hoping for in their life. Compatibility isn't just, okay, we like the same music. We like the same, we have the same friends. You know, it is about, are you going to be competitive with me when it comes to this? Or are you going to support me when it comes to this? Yeah, that's, that's so true. And, and yeah, there's no competition in our relationship. We don't compete on anything. And it's funny, we actually are very, um, we're not alike at all. We don't really have the same friends. We don't like the same movies. Uh, we kind of listen to the same music. I mean, we have a lot of those those things that bring you together. We're not the same on, but we are the same on our values, and we are the same on where we want to go. And we can appreciate each other through, you know, we I can watch movies that I hate, and he has to watch movies that he hates, and that's a moment in time, right? And, and we do it because <laughs> we love each other, but. Um, he loves scary movies. I cannot stand them. And so I just fall asleep on the couch, which is great because I'm exhausted at the end of the day. So it's, it's a nice excuse to fall asleep at nine o'clock. What advice would you give to the women who are coming up behind you? The biggest piece of advice that I would give to women uh, coming up in their in their industry, in their world is, is to give yourself grace. 
is to not be so hard on yourself. I see plenty of my close friends, close colleagues struggle through the element of grace, the element of not, I didn't do exactly what I wanted to do today, whether it be as a mom or as a worker, as a spouse, and to not sit in that. Giving yourself grace and saying that it's okay if I didn't do everything that I wanted to, but I'll be better tomorrow. And I have the ability and the skill set and who I am to do that. And I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep fighting through because I know that this is what I want. Be confident in that. Men have confidence that they, when they walk into meetings, when they walk into uh, work scenarios or even personal scenarios in a way that I don't think women were told to, to be. And I challenge women to give yourself grace, have that confidence and know that every moment you can have an impact and that every moment can mean something. And so just, just think about that, but don't, but also don't hold them so seriously. So you had a, a misstep. So you didn't answer all the questions in the meeting like you wanted to. There's always another day. There's always tomorrow and you'll be better if you tell yourself to be better. You give yourself the support to do that. Brooke, thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I think what you're doing and how you're speaking to women and giving them opportunities to collaborate together on how all of us are going to help each other to be successful is amazing. Thank you for joining us on Lead Like a Lady. If you enjoyed this episode and are feeling inspired, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite listening platform. Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne is produced and edited by Lisa Osborne. Theme music is Leading Lady by retired IRS criminal investigation attache Clarissa Balmaceda featuring Alex Castillo. Find us on social media through GinaLosborne.com slash Lead Like a Lady. And don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne wherever you get your podcasts. 